Thank you so much, brother. What a blessing you are to our church with your heart and your gifts. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 8 is where we're going to be this morning. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in those days, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea. For so it's written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them the time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. This is the word of God. You can be seated. And thank you very much for coming. Let's pray before we begin. Father, this is your holy word indeed, and I pray thanking you for the fact that you not only revealed yourself to us in writing through these wonderful scriptures, but you revealed yourself to us in your Son. And I pray, Lord, that as we look into the scriptures this morning, you would help us to see him more clearly and help us to see ourselves more clearly too because, Lord, the more clearly we will see ourselves, the more clearly we will see that we need the Son of God and need him even more, Lord. Should we already be Christians hearing this message this morning, Lord, in the faith already because of grace, I pray that you would help us to see our daily need to be made more and more into his image. And for those who don't know you yet, Lord, I pray that this would be the day that you draw them and convince them and convict them and convert their souls. And I pray this in Jesus' perfect name. Amen. Welcome again to worship this morning at Christ Fellowship as we will continue to worship by hearing the word of God. And I pray, of course, that too, our hearts will respond to this word rightly. So this series, like was already mentioned, is called Two Kings... And um, it's a look at the two accounts that we get, both in the book of Matthew and in the book of Luke, because it's in those accounts that we find King Jesus and King Herod. And as I was reading over those two accounts again and again, I was able to pick up on five different character traits, five different attributes, you could call it, of these kings. And this series is going to be comparing and contrasting those different attributes week after week, Sunday after Sunday, the final Sunday following on Christmas Eve this year. Last week, we studied the topic of humility and pride. Two kings, humility and pride. That was last week's focus. This morning, we're going to talk about truth and lies, as we find it in those two kings. Truth and Lies. I don't want to spoil it, but one of those kings is characterized by the truth and the other is characterized by lies. You'll have to listen closely to figure out which one is which. Of course, I'm saying that tongue-in-cheek. You won't actually have to listen that hard to figure out which one's which. Now, what's interesting is I was doing this study 
on truth and lies when it concerns these two kings, Jesus and Herod. Do you know this, that you won't actually find the word truth when reading over these two accounts about Matthew and Jesus? In the book of Matthew, the word truth actually never comes up in the word Matthew. The closest we get to it in the book of Matthew is the word truthfully, but it's only mentioned once. And then I was doing more on that study of the word truth and trying to find it when it concerns to Jesus and his birth. And what I found is the word truth is only mentioned in the book of Mark once. And it's only mentioned in the book of Luke once, the word truth. Now, of course, it doesn't have to be mentioned for truth to be there. We know those books are only the truth. But did you know that when studying just the word truth and trying to find it in relation to Jesus Christ and especially Jesus at his birth... Did you know that the word truth is found in the book of John, however, 26 times? It's not mentioned in Matthew. It's mentioned in Mark once. It's mentioned in Luke once. It's mentioned in John 26 times. So it seemed that if I focus my study on Jesus in connection with the word truth, I should probably look at the book of John. And so I did. I really focused in hard on the book of John, although John's gospel doesn't cover the birth of Jesus, Jesus himself does make reference to his birth when talking to Pontius Pilate towards the end. When Pontius Pilate and Jesus are speaking to one another, we get a pretty hefty dialogue there in the book of John that we don't get in other books, in other gospels. But towards the end of that book, Jesus makes a connection between his birth and him being of the truth and a witness of the truth. So look at this first in John 18. Before we go back to the narratives of Jesus in the Gospels, and his birth rather, let's look what he says in John 18, 37. This is when he's speaking to Pontius Pilate. He's about to be sent to be flogged, and then we know that doesn't satisfy the crowds, so then he's crucified, all according to the foreknowledge of the Father and the plan of the Father. But he says this in 1837, John 1837. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king? Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world. Tell us, Jesus, tell us what purpose you came into the world. Tell us what purpose you were born to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Do you see what Jesus did there? Jesus connects his being a king to him being a witness to the truth. He mentions, you say that I'm a king, and it's for this purpose that I was born, to bear witness to the truth. He is a king who advances his kingdom, how? With the truth. That's how Jesus advances his kingdom. That's how he has only ever advanced his kingdom, and ever will advance his kingdom, with Truth. He bears witness to the truth, he says. You know, it's interesting that he uses that language of bearing witness to the truth. I was wondering why he chose that phrase as I was studying this. I was wondering why he didn't just say, for this purpose I was born, for this purpose I I came into the world, to share the truth. Which would have been fine, of course, if you worded it that way. But to bear witness has the idea of testifying in court. If you're the one 
in court bearing witness, that means you were an eyewitness of things that you're testifying to, things that you're testifying about. And you being the one in the stand bearing witness naturally insinuates that you were the one that saw it. You were the one who was there. You saw everything. You know what it's about. You were the eyewitness. And the one bearing witness for that reason is he's unique. He or she is a unique person because the person doing that is the one who can give the faithful testimony of what happened. Not everyone in the court can do that. The one in the stand bearing witness is the one who saw it, the one who knows the truth of what actually happened. Jesus Christ is the most unique individual to bear witness to the truth because prior to his birth, prior to him putting on flesh, being born in the likeness of sinful man, he was in eternal glory, being worshipped in all his radiance and all his perfections for all eternity past. He was there. This was the truth about him and about him being a king in all eternity past. That's the truth. But not just because of his past is he the perfect one to bear witness. Because he saw it all in the past. He was there in person witnessing it all. But also because of his person. Not just because of his past, but also because of his person. Jesus Christ as the Son of God had always been in perfect unity with the Father for all eternity, past, forever, and forever. He actually has no beginning. He'd always existed in that state with the Father forever and ever. Jesus Christ, as the Son of God, even says in the book of John, I and the Father are one. So being God in the flesh, he therefore cannot lie. There's nothing false in him. And this is the person of Christ. He is God in the flesh. And as God, he's therefore perfect. So because of his past, because of his person, and also because of his perfection, he is the most faithful witness. He's the most faithful one to ever bear witness of the truth. And Jesus ends that conversation, well, at least that verse, with Pontius Pilate right there when he says, this is why I was born, this is why I came to bear witness of the truth. He ends by saying, everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Everyone who's of the truth listens to my voice. In every generation, the Lord has always had his elect here on earth. And these are the ones who will believe. These are the ones who will come. They will hear the voice of their shepherd and they will come. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. So Jesus tells us what this truth is. It's his voice. Everyone who is of the truth listens to what? My voice. He can only speak the truth. Ever and always. John 
began his gospel, making this clear to us. So in John 18, that's towards the end of his gospel. But John began his gospel, making this very clear to us about Jesus being connected with the truth always and forever. Listen to John 1.14. John 1.14, how does John start his gospel? How does he make clear that Jesus has this connection with the truth? He's his king connected with the truth. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and what? Truth. Jesus came to bear witness to the truth because he is full of truth. He's filled with it. The Greek word that's used here for for full has the idea of also um, abounding in or complete or completely occupied with. This word gets translated that way in other parts of Scripture. Abounding in, complete, or completely occupied with. That's our Jesus. That's what he's like. We saw that he bears witness to the truth already because of his past, because of his person, and because of his perfection. We see here that he's full of truth. He's complete with it. Namely because he is the truth. John 14, 6. More talking, more words of truth here. Truth mentioned again. And you know this one. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This king of ours, this king we celebrate at Christmas, is the only one who has ever been so closely connected with the truth that he can say, I am the truth. That's what's only ever coming out of his mouth because he is the truth. Now, what about the other king in our Christmas narrative? What about him? What do we see coming out of his mouth? (laughs) Well, I want to point this out because Matthew's narrative tells us about him inquiring of the high priest. It also mentions him giving commands to go execute all the male babies two years and under. But we don't ever get quotations of him doing that. It just says, he inquired of the high priest. It doesn't say, and said, hey, high priest, come talk to me about that. It doesn't say that. And it doesn't say, and he gave orders for them to kill the male children two years and under, saying, Hey, go kill the children two years and under. It doesn't quote him ever as saying those things. It just says, and he inquired and he gave this order. We only ever get him speaking in quotation marks once. Did you know that? There's only ever one time we have recorded him talking. And let's see what he says. It's the very last verse in that portion of scripture that I read to you earlier, our our sermon text. So Matthew 2, verse 8, is the very last verse there. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. The only time we read of Herod actually speaking, he's lying 
The only time he's quoted, he's a liar. We see all this wonderful stuff about Jesus being of the truth. He is the truth because of his past, his person, his perfection. He's filled with it. He is it. And we get one phrase, our only phrase from Herod's lips ever, and he's a liar. That's why we have the contrast of these two kings. One is all about the truth, and one is a bold-faced liar. The only time we read of him actually speaking, he's lying. (laughs) The one quote we get, it's a lie. He didn't really want to worship Jesus. We know that. We know that his real motive, his real intention was being hidden by that lie. Because his real motive, his real intention came out later in Matthew's narrative. He wanted to kill this child. And since his plans were foiled, he said, well, fine, I'll just kill all the children two years old and under. Surely I'll get him that way. You know, lying is the characteristic of those who don't know the Lord. Lying is the characteristic of those who don't know the Lord. Lying is just the surface level of what's at the core. Let me say this. Listen to this. Lying is a sin that never lives alone. Other sins always live with it. Let me say that again. Lying is a sin that never lives alone. Other sins always live with it. There's always some reason why you're lying, and it's because you're trying to hide something. That thing that you're trying to hide is being hidden for a reason. Why? Because it's bad. You wouldn't lie about it otherwise. It's hard to find people that just lie just for fun. You say, Cohen, but there's these people called compulsive liars. Okay, yes. There's all types of weirdness out there. I get it. (laughs) But lying is a sin that never lives alone. Other sins always live with it. The reason why this sermon is important, I'm not just throwing facts out here about, look at Jesus, he's all about the truth. Look at Herod, he's all about lies. Jesus is good, Herod's bad. Let's pray, the end, let's go home. What was the sermon about? Jesus is good, Herod's bad. No, it's not just an information download. You are going to lean towards one king or another. You're going to have one king or another. But Cohen, Herod can't be my king. He's dead. I, I, Jesus, of course, can be my king, but, but I'm not talking about King Herod. I'm talking about who was his king. Well, Herod didn't have a king. He was the king. Oh, yes, he had a king. Listen to John 8, 44. Jesus is speaking to a group of very religious Jewish people. Okay, These aren't pagans. These aren't just strange sorcerers or something like that. He's speaking to a group of very religious Jewish people that would have had large portions of the Old Testament even memorized. Okay, So we're talking religious people. Not just a bunch of sinners, rabble. Listen to what he says. <laughs> I've mentioned this before, but in case this is your first time to either to pay close attention or hear this at all, listen to this. Jesus said, this is Jesus talking. John 8, You are of your father, the devil. This is not the Jesus you learned about in Sunday school. 
You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So you lean either towards one king or another in your life. Either you're leaning towards King Jesus who is of the truth because you've been born of him, or you lean toward the devil because you've never been born again. One of these is true of all of us. There's only two camps. And the wonderful thing about Jesus is you can come into his camp at any time. Repent and turn from these sins and believe that he is who he says he is, this wonderful Savior who forgives sinners. A wonderful Savior who forgives sinners. I'll say it a third time. A wonderful Savior who forgives sinners. Isn't that wonderful? Herod lied because he was acting like his father, the devil, who is the father of lies. He said he wanted to worship the child Jesus. That was a lie. He wanted to kill the child Jesus. We know he had other motives. We saw his other motives. There were other sins below the surface. Why? Because sin, I'm sorry, lying is a sin that never lives alone. Other sins always live with it. Always. It's very serious. Lying. It's very serious. And of course, we know, you've heard this, there are no such thing as white lies. It's just a lie is a lie. We know that. And God takes lying very serious. It's a sin among many other sins. How seriously does he take it? Revelation 21.8. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Because lying is a sin that never lives alone. So if there's someone who's lying, there's something that's else that's true about them. Other sins are living there. The lies just are the things that answer the front door. They're just right there to surface. There are other sins deeper in the home, occupying the home. That's why liars will have their part in the lake of fire, not just for their lies, but for all their other sins as well, who they actually are deep within them. Jesus says, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what do we get with Herod? He's a liar. He's a liar. He's a wicked man, as we'll keep learning about later on in these other character qualities we bring about, out about Jesus and Herod. You're going to see he didn't just murder babies. He murdered many other people as well because this is who he is. But what did he lie about? He lied about wanting to worship Jesus. He didn't really want to worship him. He wanted to kill him. But what do true worshipers look like? True worshipers. We worship in spirit and in truth. He lied about worship. He's never actually worshipped God ever. He's only ever worshipped himself. 
But what do real worshipers look like? We, we worship Jesus in spirit and in truth. That's what real worship looks like. It's got truth connected to it. Not lies like Herod, truth like Jesus. So if we are going to worship that king, there's going to be something that's true about us too. We're also going to love the truth, and our worship is going to be wrapped around the truth. Because look at John 4, 23 through 24. Jesus is speaking to another religious person, the woman at the well, a Samaritan woman. He says this, But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers, not like Herod, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in what? Truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit. Those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in what? Truth. Very good, sweetie. Thank you. That's right. She knows. Truth. He mentions it twice. He says it twice. Why? Because if we follow King Jesus, if we've been born of the Spirit, born again by King Jesus, to follow King Jesus because we love King Jesus, we'll also love the truth, worship the truth. I remember when I got saved, I just had this obsession with wanting to know what's true. But it was, God was deprogramming me and reprogramming me. And I had to look through everything in my life and I had to see, and that's why I started just throwing all my secular CDs away and pulling all my secular posters down and throwing my secular t-shirts away of these bands that I used to worship, basically. And I said, because it's not true. What they're saying is not true. This is not lasting. None of it's lasting and real. What's lasting and real? I just had this obsession with filtering everything out to say, okay, but what's actually true? What's real? That's what I want to focus on. Because if it's not true, it's a lie. If it's not lasting, then it's temporary. Why would I give my devotion to it? And so I just fell in love with King Jesus because he was the truth. He was making me look at everything in my life and focus on the truth because I was supposed to worship him in spirit and in truth. Exactly. And that's what real worshipers do. They worship in truth, not based on lies. So Jesus came. He says, For this reason I was born to bear witness to the truth. We're all going to celebrate his birth this season, of course, in different ways, but to celebrate it rightly. To actually do it rightly, it involves worship. We worship him. I know the world tells us that just looks like bowing down and going, oh, no. Real worship involves love, devotion, time, care, all these things. That's what it means to really worship Jesus. So let me end with this. How do we become worshipers? Well, like I said earlier, we have to repent from those lies. Not a soul in here has always spoken the truth. Not a soul. We've all lied. Which was because of something else. We have to repent of that as well. All of our sins. We turn away from them. We see them as God sees them. We, we believe God at his word and know that those sins are damning us. Those sins are condemning us. And on the day of judgment, guess what? You will be standing alone on the day of judgment. Your mom won't be there, nor your dad, nor your grandparents, nor your sister, nor your brother, 
nor your children. You'll be alone before Almighty God. And you'll either be forgiven or unforgiven. Because you'll be guilty. (laughs) We're all going to be guilty on that day. But either we're forgiven or unforgiven. You know, if you've got this mountain of speeding fines against you, did you know that someone can legally come in the courtroom and pay those fines and your case is dismissed? Legally, that can happen. You know that, right? You can be acquitted if the price is paid. The judge can legally let you go. That's exactly what happened in the case of Jesus Christ. He paid the sin debt that we owed. And on the day of judgment before God, Christian, your case will be dismissed because the fine's been paid by Jesus Christ because the wages of sin is death. And you simply have to believe that and put all your faith and trust in that and only in that. Listen to me. We live in the South. You're very programmed to think just sitting in this chair this morning somehow gets you some grace. You're very programmed to just think, well, I bought my children, I, I bought my children a children's Bible and it's got wonderful pictures in it and I bring them to church and so that's enough, right? I did the religious-y thing. I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's just in us to think that. You know, we say, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, please, thank you. And, and we believe we can get to heaven by our works. Welcome to the South. That's just in us. Because it's actually in every man. Faith in Jesus Christ alone saves you. Worship, in Jesus, worship of Jesus Christ alone because he is the truth. And turning away from your own lies. That's the only way to truly worship Jesus. Now, this Christmas, and forever. Pray with me. Father, a simple message, a true message, because it's from the lips of him who is the truth. Lord, thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to us to bear witness to the truth. He bears witness so well because of his past, because of his person, and because of his perfection. And Father, I pray that you will please help us to lean hard on him and only upon him for our salvation. I pray that you would please help us to be of the truth, speaking the truth always, Lord, to be like our dear Savior. Don't let us be like Herod, nor the devil. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.